Welcome to episode 771 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, January 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? I'm in so much pain. Why is that? Um, have you seen the, uh, the, the, the Joe Adele video of him doing like the six foot box jump? No. So he does, he's like doing this six foot box jump. It's super impressive to watch him do it. Um, and the, for those who don't know what that is, it's when you jump straight up Aiming onto jump. a box. So he yeah. can do it like six feet in the air. Um, I went back to the gym for the first time yesterday in God knows how long. I signed up six for a inch box jump. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I signed up for a weight training class. Um, nice. Figuring, okay, this will get me into the gym at least twice a week, every week. Uh, and yeah, we, we started with box jumps and Joe Dell can jump an adult and I can jump a toddler. <laughs> uh, let me be clear on this one. I'm, I'm seeing it now. He does get a little running jump. You can do either something with, with a little speed into it or from a standstill, but I, it's I, impressive I did it from either a standstill, way. So. I will not in any way, shape or form try to, uh, denigrate this by pointing that out. I just don't need you know the the corrections on twitter like uh you said it was this and it was actually but uh, no it's it's insanely impressive it's uh it's five five foot six so basically he jumps jose altuve yeah and i i can jump over my daughter i i did mine from a standstill though i i, I will say go. that and my my uh my instructor was all like oh I, I think you can do more i'm like do you understand like I'm going to fall on this thing. He goes, it's padded. I'm padded too. It's padded. Like, I'm padded. I'm, but double it's still going to hurt if I go ribs first into a box. It's double padding, dude. Don't even worry about so, it. So I feel like I got hit by a truck. Well, congrats to you, though, for doing it, getting in there, and, uh, and, and, and putting in the work. That's awesome. And uh, good luck. It'll only get better. That's what I hear. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's but, what everybody uh, says, but... I, I don't care about what it's going to feel like in the future because it hurts so bad right now. Sure. Fair enough. But um, maybe I can heal you mm-hmm. by pointing out that Marcelo Zuna got signed. No, probably not going to do that. But uh, we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about third base preview as well. We started our previews uh, last time out with short stops. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Got some good feedback on it. And uh, yeah, we are going to dive into third base, but let's talk about the Marcelo Zuna deal. It came, you know, in the midst of the Hall of Fame. Congrats to Jeter and Larry Walker. I was so glad Larry Walker got in. Don't care about the unanimous stuff with uh, with Jeter. Moving on, Marcelo Zuna. We've talked about this Atlanta lineup and how it was three studs and a bunch of clowns. Um, this changes the complexion, though. It, it is, you know, I think we, I don't know if it was us or a different episode where we're talking about how Nolan Arenado could have really flipped it if they had traded for him and, and really changed the complexion. Marcelo Zuna is not Nolan Arenado, but he's, a, but he's a high caliber bat that they're putting in. And it does change the complexion. It, it, it is weird how sometimes one player can do so much because it does look a lot better now when you've got the top four. So basically the top half of the lineup is really strong. And then being four kind of, you know, middling, mid, mid-level, mid-tier type guys, uh, the rest of the way, Marquecas, Travis Darno, Johan Camargo, Dansby Swanson with guys like Tyler Flowers, Adam Duvall and Duran Ciarte, and Austin Riley mixing in. It's not so bad now. But talk about Marcelo Zuna. What do you think 
uh, is an expectation for him coming into 2020 after a pretty solid season last year that saw him fall short in batting average at 243, but hit 29 homers with 89 ribbies, 80 runs, and 12 steals on 14 attempts. And some stat cast metrics that suggest that maybe that batting average could be better. How do you feel about a 29-year-old Marcelo Zuna in Atlanta? I feel pretty good about it. I, this is a guy that I think struggled a little bit last year with injury too, right? Like we, there were like real questions about his shoulder yes. coming into the season. Uh, yes, so, and he's been dealing with that now for two years, I believe. So, but he finished strong. Uh, I mean, except for that play in left field where he climbed the fence and then fell, watching the ball hit right in front of him. Uh, or not. <laughs> Not the first time either, by the mm-hmm. way. It's not the first time that he's done that, which... Oh, let me correct myself. Fun. He did not finish strong. He hit 160 in September. So he he sputtered into the finish line. I don't know if the shoulder was bothering him at that point. I know I think he had a finger as well. I, I, by the way, I said two years. I think it's put him on the shelf uh, each of the last two years. But it's, I think it's been a, a, a long-term issue because... Um, in 2016, I believe he was off to a great start, Marcelo Zuna was got hurt, and still played 148 games, so it's not like he missed a bunch of time, but it was one of those where he was playing through injury and it was clear, came into 2017 healthy, had his best year yet, and then has had two solid seasons, but with that injury cloud kind of looming over him, even as he's put out some pretty decent playing time uh, quantities there. So it's interesting with Marcelo Zuna, and I mentioned the stat cast. We were actually talking about it a little bit on Twitter yesterday, a group of us, including Colin Weatherwax, and, and he really likes Ozuna, even as he's going to move up, because of the underlying stat cast numbers and what they suggest. I do wonder, though, can, can he fully maximize that and get back to where his batting average was in 17 and 18, 312, 280, versus the 243 of this year? Or do we just take the easy way out, mix it, and kind of say... 265 to 275 range with Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, I think I would probably go 270, 275. Uh, I mean, obviously the Babip's got to come up, but he's not necessarily. Uh, well, I guess he's you know he's got a career 315 Babip. So yeah, I mean, some I mean he strikes the ball well. Uh, yeah, he hits the ball super hard. Uh, and like you mentioned, the stat cast numbers are, are nice in red. Uh, you know, there's not much in the profile that tells me he shouldn't uh, be the kind of guy that we've expected for, uh, you know, kind of seen from him, which is like a 30 home run guy. Uh, kind of a 30. I mean, he's only done 100 ribbies once, but now going to bat fourth with this team, 3,100 feels like a pretty decent, you know, marker I mean, for uh, the lineup's not for that much different necessarily. Oh, Acuna, Albies, Freeman ahead of him is so yeah, much better. Okay, I get. It. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's interesting to me because he stole a bunch of bases last year. Uh, it was so fluky, though. Yeah, so... right because he basically doubled his total. He had 14 mm-hmm. stolen bases for his career. And got twelve last year. Yeah, he was, but he was twelve for fourteen. Yeah, so I mean, very efficient, nice. and he did it all out of the four hole. Uh, and the Braves are a team that likes to move it on the base path. So, uh, I mean, I'm obviously not going to project twelve again, 
but I think you could probably comfortably project 7-8, and anything on top of that is gravy, and that's obviously, especially if you're looking to kind of accumulate your stolen bases little by little as opposed to get getting some of the burners that's a nice mm-hmm. little bonus from a guy that traditionally doesn't steal but showed showed some speed last year uh uh you know i mean i think this is a yeah a little bit of a step up for ozuna i'm not huge amount it's not going to affect my ranking too much when i uh finish those off here uh, later this week for outfield. Uh, I think what it does is it changes a little bit of, uh, I mean, defensively for the Braves. Uh, You know, he's not strong. And this keeps Austin Riley at third. Uh, Or or Johan Camargo. Right now, Camargo's penciled in, so we don't know exactly which way they're going to go. Yeah, um, I, I you know, think Riley they, they both could so play. horribly. Yeah, I think they both True. could play a fair True. amount. So, uh, though, I mean, it looks like we have Riley going back down to the minors. That's what I'm saying. That's wow. A, I, well, that's it Pennsylvania. makes sense because all the guys they have projected on the bench uh, are out of options. Yeah, they're they're vets. Uh, they, you know, they're they're all like thirty plus. So they, you know, they, I guess they don't really have the opportunity. could go down if uh, if Riley uh, has a really really strong uh, spring or something, or if uh, Camargo himself falls because remember mm-hmm. he was solid in. Uh, they could 18. also just DFA Adam Duvall, like they, you know, they don't or, or Hechevaria, like like those they, aren't they just super. Brought, they just brought Hechevaria back. They like him. Yeah, they they. Can I would, just... I you know. Duvall's kind of interesting to me, but because uh, he's actually a much better defender than I think he gets credit for. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out with regards to like the third base situation. But now they've got an outfielder here, and uh, if you were kind of banking on Ender and Ciarte as like a cheap speed option, that is what really gets clouded here because Acuna and Ozuna are eating up two of the spots, and then Marquecas and Enciarte are going to kind of uh, battle it out for the other playing time there. We also and, had and, that. And dis- think- we also had that discussion about Dansby Swanson potentially hitting at the top of the lineup, and I think this effectively ends that. Yes, I would. I would agree with that as well. Um, it's going to be Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, or Albies, Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna. You know, those four are going to be jumbled in some way, and I think that that's going to be the primary top four. For Atlanta, for the bulk of the year, assuming that health allows it. Um, he's at, uh, Ozuna's at the 29th outfielder as of right now. And we always talk about there's always going to be a little boost once a player settles. And so I think he's going to move up at least a couple spots. Uh, that's, this has him at 110 right now. I think he's going to move ahead of Andrew Benintendi and Trey Mancini. In, just inside the top 100. And then the discussion that we were having yesterday uh, started by Colin Weatherwax was whether or not he moves into the group that includes Eddie Rosario, Luis Robert, Jeff McNeil, Jorge Soler, and Joey Gallo, which spans from 82 to 92. And uh, so I could see Ozuna moving into that group. Colin said he would buy Ozuna above pretty much all of them, barring some, t- uh, he also included Ramon Laureano, barring team needs of like, if there's some speed need, then of course Laureano and Robert take precedent. Uh, but otherwise, he he was he was favoring Ozuna out of that group. 
if you are looking at let's 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 zero it down to Gallo, Soler, Rosario, and Ozuna because those four have kind of a similar makeup in terms of what you're trying to get from them. Who do you favor the most out of that group? Gallo, Soler, Rosario, and Ozuna. I think it depends on my team construct thus far. Uh, in a standalone league, I think it's Gallo. Yeah, let's focus on stand because you know the bulk of people yeah. are going to be playing standalone. So um, yeah, in a standalone and I, and league, it's, saying- it's Gallo because I can punt batting average. Uh, but in any sort of overall contest, you're playing NFBC, something like that. Uh, I think I move Ozuna ahead just because he's got, I think, the safer floor. Yeah. And I think that's what Colin was getting to. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. I, I, I do think he moves into that group, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I've liked Ozuna. I really have. You know, after the, 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 the 2017 breakout was something that, I was I was really fortunate to get a bunch of Ozuna. I've been kind of loving him since. I feel like sometimes I let that carry a little bit more weight, though, so I was kind of pushing back on them just to check myself. And, uh, no, they kind of got me sold there on, on some of the stuff that Ozuna's done and some of the expectations that we could have this year. So, all right, we'll keep an eye on that, but let's get into third base because uh, we got plenty to talk about here. It's a different position than shortstop. There is still depth. It, it pushes down a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of depth in those in the first couple of tiers that we did with the uh, with the shortstops. It 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 moves a little bit differently at third base, but there's still a lot of interesting names in the you know we'll call it top you know one uh, one twenty or so that you can get as your starting third baseman. So let's just start with the uh, with the two first rounders, Alex Bregman at and again NFBC average draft position. I'll put the link in there. You have to change it to. January 1st, 2020 through today's date, uh, of course, being uh, January 22nd, and then draft champions. And that's how you can follow along with us. I actually did mess up, by the way, when I made this list. Of course I you didn't did. Move it to dra- I didn't move it to draft champions. <laughs> so it's all the drafts. So we're just going to leave it at that. So for this one, you can leave it because I'm not adjusting all these on the fly. <laughs> Shouldn't change that much, but uh, I messed up. My bad. Um, so anyway. There's two first-rounders, Alex Bregman, and we talked about him at shortstop, so we won't go too deep on him, uh, around 10, and Nolan Arenado around pick 13. Now, it's perfect time to do third base because of the Nolan Arenado rumors and everything. He's pissed, dude. He is pissed. And not because of the trade rumors so much as just the directionless outlook of the organization. And I don't blame him, dude. They haven't done anything this year. And I think he feels duped into the contract of like, hey, you know, we're going to sign you and we're going to be competitive. We're going to be doing this, that, and the other. We're going to build around you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. You know, they don't, play the, they don't play the good talent they have, so I guess they don't want to bring in any other talent to mess up. But where do you stand right now with Nolan Arenado with the trade r- rumors lurking? Obviously, I think if, if, if he gets traded before the season, it'll be – in time for draft season, I think it would be within the next like 30, 40 days. So by the time March hits, we would be ready for it. But how are you, how are you adjusting him if you are drafting in, in the time when he's not traded, but the, the rumors are still percolating on, on Arenado? I'm not adjusting him. I think, uh, thank you. 
he is a Hall of Fame hitter, uh, no matter where he's at. Obviously, maybe like right. maybe the average comes down a little bit because of, maybe of yeah, just the the home field advantage. But mm. he's still a thirty home run hitter anywhere. I, I want to say it was Tom Tango or maybe Mike Petriello like tweeted out like uh, a list of like like the guys like thirty home run uh, guys that um, like that would hit the majority of their home runs like in every stadium. And he was on that list. It was like a list of three guys or something like that. Uh, I mean, he, he's got real power. It's not like, obviously you leaving Colorado affects you, but I don't, I, th- I think this fallacy that good hitters leaving Colorado are somehow going to become trash. Uh, has been misproven time and time again by guys but, like yeah, th- Corey Dickerson and, and Matt holiday. And it's just, uh, DJ LeMayhew, mm-hmm. Larry Walker. There's no backing for it whatsoever. The only two guys that uh, – because we talked about this in my Twitch stream. I said, who are they? Because someone brought it up. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, even Vinny Castilla. Well, you know, and this is back when Coors was really crazy. Even Vinny Castilla went on and continued. But it, it just doesn't exist. The only two names that they could come up with that they tried to go for – uh, were easily shut down based on the fact that one was just pure injury, Troy Tulowitzki, and the other, Carlos Gonzalez, was already washed. So it's not well, like and, and Tulowitzki you know, started breaking down before he left Colorado. That, like that's that. what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. He was already he was already broken. Meanwhile, Cargo's last two years with Colorado were 86 and 99 WRC plus. So the fact that at age 33 he didn't go and do something last year that that's not a check mark in the he was a Coors product type deal. It it's just not a thing. If Nolan Arenado got traded, really, I mean, there aren't that many candidates. So we'll just focus on St. Louis, which is you know kind of like a neutral park, maybe even leaning a little bit pitcher friendly. I wouldn't care one percent. I would still take him in the first round. Yeah, I would I, not. I would not care at sh- all. You shouldn't move him. I mean, if you want to move him up or down, you know, one or two spots in your overall ranks. Fine, sure. but like I'm not putting him behind Bregman or Rendon at third base uh, because he leaves uh, Colorado. One, exactly. he's more than likely going to go to a really good lineup, anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you know, no crap team is trading for him. It's it's not there it's not, aren't even that it, many. It's not like the, who would be interested. Yeah, it's not like the the Tigers or the Giants are like lining up yeah. to uh, tra- trade for a guy making that kind of money. So. Uh, I yeah I don't I don't think we I think we can move on it's 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 yeah let's, uh, let's, let's actually hope it happens because it'll make him cheaper in the market so where we're able to get him in the second round yes uh, when he we, does we would get benefit mm-hmm. we would benefit if Nolan Arenado got traded I'll take him on the wraparound for sure let's go into the second round because that's where uh, three gems stand by the way quickly what we're gonna do with guys that we've talked about in another position. Since we've already discussed them at the at that other position, you can listen to that one. That's the case for Alex Bregman. What I will do is ask you though, which position do you prefer him at? So for Bregman, he has third and short. Where do you prefer him if you're going to draft him? Although I think we came to the conclusion yet yesterday or, uh, Monday that neither of us are particularly interested in him as a, as the ten pick. But where would you want to slot Bregman? Uh, I mean, I'll start him off at third base and then move him around if. I don't. I mean, there's just so many shortstops that I really, really like this year. Exactly. And I, yeah, 
like not to say that there's not a ton of third base too, because I was actually surprised how deep third base was when I when I finished my ranks because I ranked 50 guys again. Uh, that being said, yeah, I'll start them at third and then I'll move them back and forth. And a lot of these guys will be the same thing where I start them at third or second and I just move them around. Yeah, I think um, ideally, you know, if you're getting him or even Manny Machado, I'll just cut that one off real quick too because he's going to come up later. Uh, putting him at third. But having the flexibility is why you, part, one of the reasons you're getting those guys anyway. But let's move on to the three gems here. These guys are, are definitely foundation pieces, often going in the second round, sometimes jumping into the first, at least these first two guys. It's Jose Ramirez at uh, 18, Anthony Rendon at 21, and Rafael Devers at 23. So it's this is an interesting group because you got Ramirez who had that really – weird ass season that started off so horribly then he went bananas you know went super electric getting everything back on track and then got hurt to to derail it and yet even with just 542 plate appearances a four-year low he still put up 23 homers 24 steals and even the 255 didn't kill you considering where he was 83 ribby 68 runs you know, a lot of people, if they found a decent replacement, which at third base was certainly viable, that roster spot that Jose Ramirez was was owning, at, even after you had to replace him for injury, ended up being pretty strong. And so that's why the market has said he's not really moving anywhere. He's still very high pick. Then you had Rendon, arguably the best year of his career, and Devers with the massive breakout. So I'll just start at price, 18, 21, and 23, respectively. Who's your favorite of this trio? Oh, uh, Rendon's my favorite. I actually have him above Bregman. Uh, okay. So it's I, I know people don't like the the first year in a new park, but I think uh, he's uh, the exception rather than the rule. That's that's more of a pitcher thing for me, yeah. too, personally. So I, I really like all three of these guys. I'm I'm a Same. little bit skeptical of Jose Ramirez from a roster construction point of view because there is that risk that things go horribly wrong uh like they did in what the second half of 18 uh and in into the first half of 19 like he, yeah. he almost put up a calendar year of crud like it was it, it was scary there for a while it was like what the hell is going on so with that kind of scary floor uh, i'm i'm a little skeptical of him especially because i feel like i don't i don't trust taking a pitcher and then him because then if something if something goes horribly wrong my offense is really kind of behind the eight ball but who are you gonna pair him with that makes you feel super comfortable where you're going because i mean you're not you're typically not going to pair him with a trey turner or a true. Well, I guess you could pair him with Trevor's story, and that would be interesting. Well, um, wouldn't pairing him with like a Trey Turner though, or Trevor story? Or wouldn't that be Juan pretty nice? Soto. I think a Juan Soto. I just think That'd that they're so similar, uh, Turner and you know, kind of the speed first. I'm okay with, with that though. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that because now no, I'm if just I feeling like Turner, I'm behind on power. You Not, may be, but but it's only your first two picks, and you still got to take a picture here soon, then too. That's okay. That's okay. You know, you get Pete Alonso next, and then a and then a pitcher. Yeah, or a pitcher, then Pete. You know, I I don't mind that because 
you know, or I have, Alvarez. because I do feel like you can get the pitching late. So then you could, you know, and you could take like Darvish Severino uh, with your five, six. Uh, yeah. So, or sorry, four, four or five uh, kind of picks. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably, I think especially in my big money leagues, I'm probably a little scared to, to take uh, Jose Ramirez. But if I see him drop, uh, I'm I'm not gonna run away. Uh, but I think I'd rather have Tatis. I'd rather have uh, Rendon, who are both going by. I'd rather have no. I think I'd rather I think Ramirez over Devers, but it's close. I I have uh, Rendon ranked higher than Ramirez's. Let's talk about Devers. Had the big breakout season. This is one of those guys that you know. If you if you if you loved him going into eighteen, you should have stood by him. He did he didn't do great. Uh, you know he's actually pretty mediocre, but he was twenty one. And and you know don't run away from the prospects that you love just because their first year doesn't quite pan out. He also acknowledged that uh, he got his body in shape. This was the best shape of their life thing that panned out because it is a cliche and it's funny to kind of you know talk about it in in the joking manner. But a lot of times it's it's really good too. It's really positive for guys to slim down, get their fitness in order. And he said he was carrying extra weight, started working out with JD and Betts. And all of a sudden, you know, he was in, in the shape that he needed to be to have a huge, huge season with the bat. 311, 361, 555 with 32 homers, 115 ribbies, 129 runs, Jesus, for Rafael Devers, and eight stolen bases. Now, he was eight for 16. He is brutal on the bases for his career. He's 16 for 27. So I think eight's about the max you can get. I think he'll continue to be like a five to eight sort of guy. I think he's still going to, you know, get those tack on bases. But if he, if he drops a zero to one season, I wouldn't be surprised. So don't weigh those stolen bases too heavily when you're, when you're taking Devers, like I'm also getting in eight kick in steals because if they just flat out red, red lighted him, red lit him, I don't know, uh, put the red light on him. I would not be that surprised because he doesn't really know what he's doing there on the bases. But as far as the Devers follow-up, because now he's surged into this same cost range of like Ramirez Rendon, and he's gone past you know our next group, which has a lot of more established guys. If the scenario fits and all the other guys are gone, and it's, say, 27, 28, so a few picks past where Devers is normally going, do you jump in? Absolutely. Uh, go look at Statcast page. You'll see a lot of red, uh, especially in a category uh, that you wouldn't necessarily expect from uh, Devers because he was. The real question with him wasn't whether he was going to hit; is whether he could play third base or not. And his outs Bingo. above average, ninety second percentile. Like that's that, huge. That's that that's saying he was an elite defender in the field last year. Uh, and, I mean, you know, the eye test kind of shows it. I mean, he's always had an arm. Uh, just, you know, I think the weight loss really helped him. Uh, his exit velocity went up uh, about a mile and a half uh, per hour. It was in the top 6% of the league last year. His ex batting average, top 7% of the league last year. Hard hit percentage, top 9% of the league. Uh, I think he is a slight launch angle adjustment, and I'm talking like slight uh, away from being a 40 home run guy. And I, I think that's going to be one of my, my bold predictions this year is that uh, Devers hits 40 home runs. 
I'm going to have a bold prediction where he hits 42 home runs. So that'll be Ooh, cool. Well, I'm going to say but, 42 uh, and a half. Oh, uh, 43. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I can't do it. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Can't have Welsh accusing us of stealing their game of chicken. We're not stealing anything. Uh, oh, do they play yeah, chicken I, on I that podcast? In, I believe in Devers. Yeah, they do, and I, li- I like the way they do it. And they they'll they'll put something out there, and then you know they they'll keep going, keep going, and you can tell when it's like one of their favorite players, and and the other one doesn't want to buckle, and the other one's just trying to get him to say <laughs> something so it, yeah. stupid. Yeah, like goad him into like. 54 home runs for Mike Moustakis or something. And it's like, uh, so no, that's, that's, uh, we're, we're not playing that right now. Plus they have cool music with it too. So check out the ITL podcast, but Devers breakout. I believe in it. Sounds like you do too. We're comfortable taking him there. Um, and, and I have no problem with it. He does belong in that group. Now we jump down. I, I named this the meat and potatoes tier though, because it's, 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 it's hearty. It's thick. There's a lot of folks in there. Uh, you can kind of get whatever you want. I guess the only thing you can't really get out of this is speed. But if you're looking for speed at third base, you're you're in the wrong spot anyway outside of like Ramirez as far as the top goes. So just a lot of interesting hitters here. We'll start at the top. Vlad Jr., 55. Chris Bryant, 55 as well. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, 60. Manny Machado, 61. DJ LeMahieu, 64. Yoel Moncada, 68. Max Muncy, 78. Jeff McNeil, 87. And Matt Chapman, also 87. And so, you know, it runs about 30 picks. So it's two two rounds worth. And, uh, you know, we got a big group here. Let's just start off the top. I mean, we're we'll probably end up talking about all of them. But who is your absolute favorite at their price? Ooh. Uh, at their price, probably Max Muncy. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, he is in this tier. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, Max Muncy coming in at 78. I love Max Muncy. Tri- triple eligible for second, third, may pick up outfield at some point. Uh, he's just so underrated. I don't understand why he's going uh, 20 picks below, like, Chris Bryant and I Vlad Guerrero. Good, sir. Uh, it's, he's in a great lineup. Uh, he's gonna hit. He's gonna hit in a really nice spot in that lineup. Uh, he, I think, has proven at this point that the breakout uh, in 2018 was legitimate. No reason to think he can't continue it. Uh, I ranked him ninth at third base, and I'm already regretting ranking him so low. I ranked him sixth, dude. I, I'm just he's about to say I, next on I, my list. I think he should be sixth. Uh, I may put him seventh behind Suarez because I do love Suarez, uh, especially in that park and that lineup that's getting better and better. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I think Muncie is like the steal of third base, uh, at least in the you know top ten. Yeah, with it within within this group of, of there's going to be another guy uh, that's a big steal right now too. So yeah, w- within this group of guys who are you know bankable starters. You know, studs pretty much. All, all these guys that we've mentioned so far are stud level players. I agree with you uh, 100% on the Muncie stuff. The triple eligibility, I think, um, gets a little underplayed. That's valuable in every league format, where you can uh, where you can move him around like that in the off in the infield for second and third for Max Muncie. So uh, I won't just repeat what you said. Fully agree. Who at their price in this group are you like? No way, Jose. Ah. Uh. I think it, I, I it's probably Bryant. Uh, I just 
injuries, where is he, is he going to be in Chicago? Is he going to end up somewhere else? Uh, what what if I remove that second one? Let's just put that aside. Like okay, because by the way, we we talked about the grievance. You lied to everybody. And said I, yeah, I I, I I I was wrong. <laughs> I, next? I yeah no I I apologize. So the grievance he's gonna lose the grievance. So might as well. Uh, I mean they're not gonna go against the the CBA. Uh, they need to fight. So, for... so he's gonna have two years what left with them let's just for the record right now or for the for the sake of an argument say that he won't be moved does that loosen your position a little bit or are you still just a little uneasy about Bryant and if so why at 55 by the way is his I probably shouldn't be uneasy about him because I mean I guess this is similar to like a Seeger situation where he's only got the one year where he really missed time uh, well, I guess he missed a little bit of time last year, but uh, very little. I don't know. Something just like I, I don't feel like he's super special anymore. Uh, I, and, I understand the feeling that you're having, by the way, and I, I can't crystallize it either. But I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Now, I should mention third base and outfield for Chris Bryant, so you get that little extra bit of eligibility, which I do favor. Um, but. I don't know. I, I I find myself in the same kind of like uh, I don't know. Super man. unimpressive has... stat cast stuff. I mean, his exit velocity is twenty third percentile, hard hit percentage twenty fifth percentile, x batting average twenty sixth percentile. It, it, his x batting average last year was two forty six. Uh, Interesting. So, uh, so I mean, he outperformed his metrics uh, there. But I mean, he still walks. I mean, three eighty two on base percentage. Uh, he makes you know a fair amount of contact. Like it's like I probably shouldn't be as wary as I am, uh, and maybe this is one of those things where it's a gut feeling uh, more than it is based in fact. So do w- what you will with that. But sure. I just I I'm scared to pay the price on him. I feel like he should be going in the Matt Chapman or below territory. Uh, and he's not. Like, I, I just Yeah, I think there's some name value that carries Bryant higher. I think one of the things that, that worries me on him is that he's perceived, I believe, as like a, a full-on mid-lineup bopper when really he's more of a a like batting average run scored guy who happens to to hit for some power and it, it, power is not lame or anything especially he got back last year 31 homers he doesn't have more than 77 ribbies in the last three years one of those is an injury season but the two others are are perfectly full years even last year's missed time still 147 games 634 plate appearances I know part of that is where he bats he bats number two but I don't know man like. <sighs> 280, 30, 75, 100 uh, at, at pick 55, for some reason, it's not giving me the warm and fuzzies. So I actually fully agree with you on Bryant's situation. Bryant finished 13th at the position last year on a really nice bounce back season. So I think that backs up what we're talking about here because he's going off as the seventh guy. If he were the 13th, that's where Jeff McNeil is who has the same ADP as Matt Chapman, the guy you said that that's the range that he should be around. So I think we're in lockstep, and I 
I think we're justified in that. So um, I'm, I wouldn't want Matt, uh, Chris Bryant at his price here either. Let's talk about the others. Vlad Jr., um, not to the level of Devers, but he failed. He failed his expectations of the first year, and they were very, 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 very lofty. And he ended up being pretty eh with a 272, 15. And Devers went outside the top 200. And, uh, and, and Vlad has gone up. Yeah, and I, Devers may have not actually gone outside the top 200, but he went down. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty close. Yeah, like he was cheap. He was somebody I was beating the drum on last year of like, hey, people have given up on him. It might not have been 200, but it's definitely outside the top 100, I think, with regularity. And so with Vlad Jr. not really catching a discount, I understand it. But at the same time, what are you doing with it? Are, are, you, are you paying it? No, I'm not paying it. And I'm... I may get one share somewhere in like a best ball type thing, uh, just to sit, just to get a share in case he does. Because I mean, he's obviously got all the talent in the world, and he's got the the whole best shape of his life thing going on right now. Uh, you know, he 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 learned where the weight room was because apparently when they gave him the he tour, didn't. no, of, yeah, yeah, they just they they forgot to tell him that there was a weight room in Toronto. Uh, so. Uh, I mean, there's, there's reasons. I understand why people are buying in. Uh, I just think he's going way too high uh, for a guy who really failed in every regard last year. Uh, and the stat yeah, cast numbers are, I mean, he had a 6% launch angle, 89% exit velocity last year. Uh, like a 38% hard hit percentage is like 50%. Uh, 46 percentile last year. I mean, like, there's not a ton other than prospect pedigree uh, and some really nice workout videos and powder blue jerseys to tell you <laughs> that he should be much better. Now, I think he should be better. It's another year in the league getting used to major league pitchers. Uh, it's a great place to hit. I like what they're doing in Toronto. But taking him in the top 50 or 60 picks... It just seems like insanity to me when you've got all these guys who have huge track records. I mean, even if, let's say, Vlad Guerrero does what we think he can do and he hits like 290 and 30 home runs, I mean, isn't that just what Chris Bryant is going to do or, uh, or Suarez? Like, why is he going ahead of those guys? No, I, I, I understand that. And, like... I get wanting to kind of you know root for him and and see a big season this year, but he has to do it at this price, right? There's 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 no wiggle room, so it better be this year or else he's disappointing again. As far as uh, as far as we're talking about with Vlad Vlad Jr., so I'm with you there, and uh, I'm not necessarily going to have any shares. I, I don't think not with the way third base is shaping up. You mentioned Eugenio Suarez earlier when talking about. Uh, Muncie and and how they're they're kind of similar and I agree with that I think that's an interesting comparison there he had an amazing year popped out 49 homers uh, 271 358 572 for Suarez he's added homers literally every year of his career some of that was adding playing time but the last four years his playing time has really kind of you know lived in kind of a tight range in fact it went down from 17 
to 18, and he still added homers. He did add about uh, 54 plate appearances last year, but he jumped up 15 homers. So that's not why. Volume is not why Suarez has continued to add home runs. 49, what do you got for him as a projection this year? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's coming down. Um, what does do it for him is his barrel per- percentage. The 14% uh, barrel percentage, which is like uh, top 7% in the league. Obviously, playing where he plays in Great America Ballpark uh, helps, but he hit more home runs on the road. So it's not the only reason it helps. Uh, I think he's probably like a mid-30s or even upper-30s home run guy this year. Uh, love the Love the ballpark. Again, like the team and what what the Reds are doing uh, for the lineup uh, construction as well. So uh, I think he's going to have another really, really nice year. And I don't think people give him enough credit. Yeah, I, I, I think he is a little bit. I mean, you know, his ADP says... The people, you know, understand that Suarez is good. I guess pick 60. We, we don't want to go too far in saying they're not giving him credit, but he's been really good now for for several years. Uh, by the way, just want to close the loop on something. 138 was the average draft position of Raphael Devers last year with a high of 204. So there were times he was going outside the top 200, but even a buck 37, it was down from 106 the year before. So he lost two rounds based on his. Meanwhile, uh, as I'm talking about Vlad, has either held steady or gone up. It's tough to kind of judge ADP because remember he had the really high ADP, then he got hurt and it came down. So if you're comparing it to draft season when we knew Vlad was hurt, it went down from there. But if you're comparing it to kind of where he was uh, before that, it's about even or maybe just a little lower, but certainly not two rounds worth, which is what uh, which is what Devers saw. So anyway, just wanted to close the loop there with the Vlad and Devers uh, comparisons. But with Suarez, yeah, I mean, if you just this just goes back to what you were talking about. Hey, saying that you might be a little bit behind on power if you took like a Turner Ramirez. Now you'd have to fill up your corner to take Suarez this early, but he is definitely somebody who could fill that power gap right away for you. And now you're right back on track. You took a pitcher in between, and then in the fourth round, you take Suarez. And I don't think that you're trailing too far behind at least the the middle of your league as far as power goes. And uh, he can get you back on track there. So Suarez is somebody that if you just book, I think you can book, what, 33, 105? Well, not, not 105. He had 104 and 103 the last two years. I think that team's going to get better, but just for the sake of not projecting something he hasn't done, let's say 33 and a hundred. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tack off. The, I'll knock off those five uh, RBIs there, but with like, what uh, should we wisely book for like a two sixty five average and then take anything above that is better. He's been better each of the last two years, but I think with leading baseball and strikeouts and I, I feel like the batting average could be in a little bit of danger for Suarez. Is it, do you agree or no? Um, I mean, he is a th- career 316 BABIP guy, uh, and he was at 312 last year. I don't think he tanks. I just think it may come plan, down. Yeah, it may come down a bit. If you uh, plan for 260, 265, you can get a bonus on that. So draft around him as a 260, and then if he 
stays where he's been the last two years, 283, 271, stays in that range, yeah, you've got a bonus. His ex-batting average was 248 last year. So he overperformed in the average department. Because he smacked the hell out of the ball. Yeah, so I, I, I would say, yeah, Penselman for 260. Uh, and then if you get anything on top of that, uh, that's gravy. Yep, I I agree with that. All right, who is next here? Let's LeMayhew. See. LeMayhew, yeah, Machado, um, we'd prefer him at third. We already said that. So DJ LeMayhew, another triple eligible, very similar to Muncie, first, second, third, had the big power breakout. Too bad he was just a product of Coors, you know, so he couldn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Yeah. I mean, probably couldn't have gone to a better park as far as going, you know, if you were going to leave Coors for his skill set, this was the next best park because of his opposite field approach. He could, he could actually lean on that uh, that that right field wall a little bit. But he sprays it everywhere. He found some punch, jumps from 15 to 26 homers. Batting average goes up to 327. He's always been a batting average guy. 102 ribbies, 109 runs. Just an amazing season from LeMahieu. What does he do from here, though? Because now, now you have to pay the premium, and I'm wondering if you want to at all. I don't, but I don't know why I don't. This is uh, you're just you're just nervous about. I don't like this again. It's like a Chris Bryant situation where I don't have, and and even more so with Lemayhew because you go look at his stat cast categories. I mean, it's all blood red except for sprint speed. Yeah, I mean, it it, it really is like three twenty two x batting average, uh, top eight percent in the league in exit velocity. Uh, hard hit percentage, outs above average, WOBA, like you name it, it's all red. I, for some reason, I just don't trust it uh, that it's going to continue. There's no reason to think it won't. Like a 14% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. Uh, Maybe the power comes down a little bit and he's more of a high teens, low 20s guy. But, like, there's no reason to think he's not hitting 290 to 300. Yeah, with runs and ribbies for days in that lineup. So, yeah, this this one I don't join you on as far as having that little tinge of uneasiness. I'm in. Uh, I ranked LeMahieu as my eighth third baseman. He's going off as the 10th, so I'm a little bit ahead of the market with regards to LeMahieu. If he's at the top of that lineup, Literally, number if he's batting leadoff, sure, he's not going to get 100 ribbies again. Probably not uh, because it's more difficult up there. Although this lineup runs super deep, I, I, I'm i in. Like, I know he's going to be 31 as well. Maybe that scares some folks off. I don't I don't really care. Like, I I'm, think maybe I think he's older than he actually is. It feels yeah, like he's 31. been in the league forever. He's uh, been around for a while. And I mean, he's changed you know, he, he profiles. Broke in at like, I mean, like he never was supposed to have this power, right? And then, oh but, no, not at all. But he's it, a total slapdick prospect. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he showed. I mean, his exit velocity only went up like half of a mile per hour last year with the juice ball. Like he had this already in the bank, and we just didn't realize it. Uh, and I mean, we should have like this should have been an easy guy to go, especially with our belief uh, that we don't think that moving out of Coors is going to make someone crumble. Like I should have been all over DJ LeMahieu last year, and I wasn't. 
uh, and it's my own bad for having blinders on. Especially because he is so perfect for you because you can actually get some late batting average. He was going off the board at 280 on average. Oh. And was a league winner for the, people. Yeah, with the average sinkholes you usually take, at the very worst, you, you were paying – his ADP was his batting average. You know, the like, the hard part was average. we didn't know where he was going to play. That True. Was, and we thought he was going to be a 50, util guy. 50 billion injuries, of course, made him a full-timer, and now he's not going anywhere. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'll pay. I'll pay the freight on on Lemayhew. I'm in. I'm gonna I really make like sure I get. Yeah, I'll make sure I get a share too. Uh, I just like a lot of guys in this tier and the next tier. So sure. And the tier after. And that, that. makes it hard. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't get everybody. So that makes it hard. I understand. But that's he the beauty of his triple eligibility. Because yeah, you can you can throw him. At, and I I hate second base. So I'll put LeMahieu at second. I can still get another third baseman. You can uh, that pair I like. him and Muncie and just and move still guys get another one. Yeah, and just move guys around for days. Yeah, because Muncie has the power to hold mm-hmm. first. So you put LeMahieu second, Muncie uh, first, and you can still get somebody either later or if you already had like a Arenado Ramirez, you know, one of the top guys. So. I, I really like uh, what Lomayhu offers here. I'm in. Let's talk about Yomankata. Has the breakout season. Uh, does really, really well. Going off about 68 ADP. He used a more aggressive approach to where he was swinging early. His walks kind of took a cut. But so did the strikeouts. It was still 28%, but that was down from 30s. He was 32, 33 the two years before this. Uh, so, yeah, he lost a few walks down from 10% to 7 but I'll take it for everything else because he was attacking early. Now, he had a 406 BABIP. He and Tim Anderson were the BABIP gods last year. Part of that is approach, though, right? It's not just dead-ass luck. That's why I, you know, I've you said this a billion times on the pod. And velocity helps, too. You know, yes, and, and when you're crushing the ball yeah. and speed, all the all the factors. So it's not just some luck, luck-o-meter that you're like, just because it's unsustainable doesn't mean he didn't do anything to uh, – Push it up there. He's going to continue to be a high BABIP guy, not 406. Okay, so, uh, you know, maybe push him down like, what, 340, 350 for Moncada. That can still play, though. And so, you know, the power's there. He went 24, 10 uh, with the stolen bases. He's definitely a guy that has speed to do more. I wonder if they'll consider turning him loose a little bit with, with the speed because he's more than a 10 stolen base guy. Like I, I really believe whether you're looking at uh, sprint speed, which again, Jeff's done an article that says don't get too much on sprint speed, but home to first is even more favorable for him. And it's getting better every year. But for some reason, only 12 and 10 stolen bases the last two years. So I think there's actually some stolen base upside. Moncada could go 30, 30. Yeah. And that's the little blurb I put in my ranks is that there was still another level. He's only 24. Yep. Like we're just getting started here. Yeah, I mean he's gonna turn. It's his age 25 season. Age 25 season. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, this is. I think this is a guy that could be. I think people. I think he, where he's going is fine. I think it's totally fair. But I also think there's another level here. So, uh, I think he could be. Yeah, I think he could be, I don't know, about 30-30, but 30-20, like, why not? Sure. Like I, I, I'm just saying, like, if, if we put the full and, and dream really, season yeah, on I the mean, table. I'm thinking 35-20, uh, 
uh, in a dream season. And while the BABIP will definitely lower, he's a high BABIP guy anyways. Career 369, nice. Uh, so, like, I while obviously he's not going to hit 315, like, I still think he can hit 270, 280. Uh, and if he can add a little bit more speed uh, and a little bit more power in age 25 season, uh, we're talking about a guy that is, uh, like, a you know, late first, early second round talent. And you're yeah, we're getting just, him, what, pick 60-something? Just scratching the surface here with Moncada. There's just so much talent there. This team's going to get better, by the way, so the context numbers could jump up another level. He was at uh, 79 ribbies, 83 runs. I like both of them to go up. So he's definitely somebody, because you mentioned about, you know, why it's hard for you to get on board with some of these guys because you like others. Moncada's definitely in there. Like LeMayhew, Moncada, Muncie are in order, and I somehow want to get all three. And it's it's going to be difficult to put all three on the same team. Damn near impossible unless I jump one of them and or one of them falls. Um, and I, I don't know if I want to go too far and, and you know, p- push one of them into like the third or fourth round. So might have to just settle for two or even just one in a, in a given draft. This, but I this like is why I like drafting a lot of leagues because now I can go, okay, this draft I'm going to take Moncada. Next draft yeah. I'm going to take Muncie. Diversify. Yeah, so uh, I won't have the same third baseman in you know all 45 of my leagues this year. Especially at such a deep position. We already discussed Muncie. Big fans. Uh, definitely think he should be higher. He's going off as the 12th, third, third baseman. I ranked him six. Justin ranked him ninth and said he should maybe even have him higher. So we love him. Jeff McNeil, another triple eligible guy here who adds in second base and outfield. Um, he was an interesting breakout. Alex Chamberlain's guy here. This is this is almost uh, LeMayhew-esque, right? A hit tool guy who, of course, you know, leveraged the bouncy ball last year to extract more power, but also actually maybe even uh, LeMayhew plus. That might be underselling him a little bit because he's shown power in the minors, and that was something that Alex always hinted at was don't sleep on this guy. I know you're looking at a Pete Alonzo, and I get it, but there was some punch in McNeil's bat in the minors, including a 232 uh, and 299 ISOs, in his AAA and AA stops in 2018. So he was already hinting at some punch, had a nice little sample back in 2018, and then had the full breakout season this year. What do you expect out of Jeff McNeil in 2020? That's a very good question. I like McNeil a lot. This feels a bit high for him, but again, high batting average average floor, uh, a really high overall floor, and... I think he's going to get to play every day at third base. So that should definitely help the counting stats. Um, I do think there is uh, some power in the bat, uh, but the stat cast data isn't kind to him. So I'm probably not going to end up with a lot of shares of Jeff McNeil because there's just so many guys in this area either going before him or going after him that I just really, really like a lot more. Uh, and that's disappointing to me because I thought kind of first glance at it that I would be higher on McNeil than I am. I, I agree with that that last part, particularly with the uh, not ending up with him because of others. But 
he could end up being a consolation prize if we miss out on some of our guys too. And I, I think that that's a very adequate consolation prize because of what he's able to do and kind of, um, you know, bring that big batting average with some punch. I also could see his context numbers going up 75 ribbies, 83 runs. That was in 567 plate appearances. Barring injury, he should track over 600 this year. That lineup is solid for the Mets, it kind of runs deep, and um, he should be batting second. Nimmo gets on base at an amazing clip ahead of him. Pete Alonso, Robinson Cano, J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto, Wilson Ramos driving him in behind. I, I like Jeff McNeil, so don't sleep on him. Um, I you, did see myself. Do you know what his O swing percentage shares. is? I'm guess like 18 percent because he's ridiculous. 41.7 percent. Whoa! Does he make a lot of O contact? Yeah, 71.5 percent O contact. Okay, <laughs> that's why. Maybe I should have. Um, maybe I should have realized. Like, yeah, he can. He just he's got swings at everything. I mean, his own his own swing percentage is 85 percent. Yeah, he's not a huge walk guy. That was a bad yeah. guess. Yeah, I, I was thinking good batting average that he that he's like real particular, but no, um, that makes a lot more sense that you say it because he can get to everything. So McNeil's not afraid to swing. That makes that makes sense. But um, you know, with the second base eligibility, I can see myself if my Lemayhew and and Muncie get taken out from under me, I, I could go to McNeil. So I, I think I'll have some shares here. I've got him. Did I even rank him at third base? I didn't. I don't know if it, I if, did. I, I, I ranked him 16th. I think he is oh, no, like... he's nine. I'm an idiot. He's ninth. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he's DJ LeMayhew light. So, uh, because I think is going to have more count, uh, better counting uh, categories. Uh, I think he probably is like a high teens, low 20s homer guy with, you know, some chip in speed. Uh, but I, I also wouldn't be surprised if he only hit like 15 home runs. It's not a great hitter's park. Uh, it's definitely, a, it, you know, has a pitcher lean to it. Um, and he, you know, the stat cast numbers, like I said, I mean, his eggs velocity is 38 percentile, hard hit percentage, 37th percentile. Uh, but he's going to hit for average. And so th- that yeah. kind of helps keep that floor up. Matt Chapman's next. And he rounds out the, the this tier here. He's the 14th third baseman off the board. And and if, if you haven't been convinced yet, uh, you should be now that the, the depth of this position when Matt Chapman is 14th. And I love Matt Chapman, and I can only get him to 13. And I put him uh, ahead of some of the guys we've already talked about, including Manny Machado. So um, it's, I put him at 15 right ahead of McNeil. Yeah. So it. I mean, it's just it's just the depth of the position. He now he did end up kind of sputtering there to the point where he had a 249 average. So I think uh, some of the hype on his breakout season is is a little bit overblown, or maybe people just didn't kind of see how it fully finished there because the 36 homers are so nice. He has electric defense, which increases his profile, his visibility, but doesn't obviously do anything for us in the fantasy realm. I still really like him though. Interestingly enough, though, don't blame the park for the batting average. He hit 263 at home, 235 on the road. A little bit of trouble against lefties with a 234 average, but that was with a 229 Babbitt for Matt Chapman. I think that's set to rise. I do not think he's a major batting average liability. I actually think that it can go back up to at least the 278 that he had in 2018, if not potentially higher. I continue to use the the uh, 
Josh Donaldson comp because I do think it 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 fits so well, and that's the the trajectory that he's on. And so it might feel a little lazy, but I think it also works. And so I'm definitely going to have at least some some Matt Chapman somewhere, despite the depth of third base and me trying to get a piece of every guy. Chapman's going to be on there because I still think, uh, you know, I think this year 270, 30, 100 is what I'm is what my starting point. Mm, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting profile. I almost wonder if he tried to because uh, he raises launch angle almost two degrees. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that was a bit of a mistake. And, I can see that going for too much power, you're saying? Yeah, because, I mean, he's putting the ball in the air like 40-plus percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at like his spray chart and take away the line drives in the home runs and just kind of look at the fly balls, he's got a lot of fly balls that were close to being home runs, and maybe if he just leveled out the swing a tad bit, uh, we'd be looking at a guy who's hitting 40 as opposed to 35. Uh or 40, 40 plus opposed to 35. So, uh, I mean, the A's are a really smart organization. I'm sure they'll work on him with that. I think he's probably like a 260 batting average guy, uh, especially with that kind of approach. Uh, but I think it's 260 with, I think you can bank like 32, 33 home runs and uh, with the upside of like 42 to 43. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely power upside there. Matt Chapman smacks the piss out of the ball, uh, for sure. And Plus, so I, re- I really like every him every day. I mean, every day, elite, arguably the best defender in baseball. Yeah, elite defensive player, gonna play every day, no matter if he struggles or not. Uh, which means those counting categories. I mean, he went what 102, 91, and, and runs in RBIs last year. No reason to think he's not repeating that. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, all right, so now we move into another tier, and we're probably going to have to do two parts for third base here because I'm on a little bit of a time uh, deadline here. So I think we'll get into this tier, discuss all of them, and then and then cap it and do part two next week. How's that Sounds sound? good to me. All right, so this is the weight on third base tier. For whatever reason you've missed out, this is not going to be you and I because we're going to be dipping into these other pools quite a bit, particularly the one we just talked about. But... If you, if you did end up waiting because things were breaking differently on other guys you liked, you maybe got two pitchers and uh, you know couldn't find a way into third base, now you're taking a look at it starting around pick 100. You're not in too bad of shape because it's Mike Moustakas at 103, Josh Donaldson at 103, Eduardo Escobar at 113, Yuli Gurriel at 121, Miguel Sano at 125, and Tommy Edmond at 135. Let's discuss this tier, and I'll start the way we have every other time. Who's your favorite at their price? Josh Donaldson. And I, now it, we know that that's going. It's going to go up, up, but I mean, how much up is up? <laughs> so that I becomes I the real know, question. I don't know that he reaches Chapman, but I think that that would be the peak. I have Josh Donaldson at thirteen. So, um, and, and honestly, I think he should probably be higher than that. So I'm probably going to move him above Machado at 12. Uh, I mean, Moustakis, I'm, I've got a 14, so he, he's another guy that I'm going to end up with a lot of shares of. Uh, Donaldson was fantastic last year, and as long as he's healthy, going to the AL, 
uh, should help that because he will get some time uh, at DH every now and again. But exit velocity, uh, hard hit percentage, WOBA, X slugging, all bright red, you know, 88th percentile or better. Uh, like no reason to think like Donaldson is going to revert back to the guy that he was when he was injured because I think it was all injury. So yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's all a, any concerns that you have about Donaldson are only health related, and I know you know I know he's a little bit older, but unless we find out he gets hurt, there's no reason not to be taking him high. Um, and, and treating him as a monster. Let's. When did he sign? Let me see here if I can find that. Uh, it was 14th. on. Okay, perfect. So I I didn't know the exact date. I did the 15th. So I kind of guessed in my head. I did from the 15th on. There are seven qualified drafts, and he moved right ahead of Matt Chapman and Jeff McNeil. He went to 86, and they fall right behind him. So he's at 13, which is where you said he is. I think that's where he's going to be. I don't know that he's going to move much higher than that. The next spot would be 10 picks up over Muncie. I think, you know, there'll be drafts where he goes, but I think his average draft position will sit between Muncie and Chapman in the 76 to 87 range for Josh Donaldson. Do you agree with that? Or do you think he makes the jump fully above? No, that sounds about right. Okay. I think think that's, yeah, I think that's, uh, some people are still going to, yeah, oh, I'm totally comfortable with that. I think yeah. that's completely where he should be going. So, uh, uh, I wish he, <laughs> I wish he wasn't going up. I wish I'd gotten no. a couple shares. I don't know that I have any shares yet, but I, I, I wish I had gotten a couple shares before he signed because obviously, uh, whoever got him like outside the top 100, uh, has got to be feeling pretty good when they're seeing that ADP rise into the eighties. Yes, I got I got one outside the top 100, and I am very happy about it um, because again, you know, we we talked about it a bunch. When the guys are unsigned, they just carry a discount, and then they sign, and all of a sudden their price starts to go to where it quote unquote should be. And uh, I think you nailed it with Donaldson at 13. I've got him at 14, so we're pretty close to the market. I will be comfortable to get a Donaldson share or two if that's how the draft falls to me. Now let's uh, let's talk. Is there anybody? At their price that you are fully out on between this in this group, Tommy Edmond, though the Ozuna signing in Atlanta uh, makes it a bit easier to see a full time role for Edmond. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Though I mean, if they sign uh, or they Castellanos. trade, they, they sign Cassianos or trade for Arenado, it would muddy things back up. True. Uh, like I know he, I know he was on fire, what eleven home runs and fifteen stolen bases, three hundred average in like a half season, uh, you know, a little bit more than a half season's worth of work. Uh, the Statcast data is very, very ugly for him. Nineteenth percentile hard hit percentage, twenty first percentile exit velocity, uh, sprint speed. I mean, he's he's fast. He's definitely fast. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I just don't trust the organization <laughs> to not do something like make him a super utility guy and not give him full time plate appearances. Well, if he, when I say super util is full time, I think utility is, mm, okay, is yeah, yeah. where you worry. Super util, you know, they're he's spotting in every day almost at somewhere, and I think Edmund will at least get that. I don't know. I 
this is the they love this organization loves this type of player. This is Cardinals Devil Magic personified. Um, so I think he is going to get his playing time. I I kind of like Edmund, and I'm not even worried so much about the power. You know, if I can get let's let's say he gets at least 500 plate appearances, if not the full 600, we'll go 500. I'll take I'll take nine to twelve homers, but I think I'm getting, I think I'm getting like twenty five plus stolen bases. Like his speed is premium. He should have a decent batting average. He's high contact. He doesn't really walk much, but doesn't need to because he's he's got great contact. But he's also not devoid of walks. In the minors, he was kind of a six to eight percent guy. Uh, the majors this year translated to a five percent. If I can get a you know a click or two higher there and kind of live in that six seven percent, but again I'm not even so worried about that. I think his batting average will fuel a solid OBP north of at least three twenty, and that's all I really need for him to have the opportunities to get on base and steal. And I think Edmund is going to be fine. And if if Bader is going to be the starting center fielder, then that's going to protect Edmund from batting eighth because he's way better than Bader as a hitter. Hmm. How many guys on the Cardinals have stolen more than 25 bases in the last five years? Probably zero or one, Tommy Pham. But who's been capable of it? They've always had, like, old, slow guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's a, it's fair. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is what I'm coming around on. Uh, Colton Wong got 24 last year in 549 plate appearances. So, yeah, I just, I just don't trust the organization. I think he can be a guy that uh, that steals bases. I, I uh, got to be honest. I, I would, I would, I would accept the pushback more if you were worried about Edmund himself. I, the organization thing is what I don't. Oh, get. I'm definitely worried about Edmund, especially in terms of. Uh, I, I think he's gonna hit for batting average. I think he can steal bases. I don't know that. There's going to be much power there. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm not too worried got, about the he, pop. I'm I mean, pay, right now, speed. without them adding another uh, guy, um, he is currently slated to bat seventh in this lineup. Mm-hmm. So does that? I mean, the the counting categories, uh, you know, runs, RBIs, probably not going to be super strong. I, I would like him more if he was going about thirty or forty picks later. But I just there's too many guys in this area that I like more, and I yeah just, that that put him in our next tier that we're going to start next week. If, which if he was in fair. the next tier, I think you, uh, I would feel much more comfortable grabbing some shares. But like I can't take him over. I mean, I guess if you need speed uh, at third base, like he's the guy, right? So uh, not not many guys are going to steal bases from the third base position. So he, he'd be the guy to target in this tier, but like, I, I can't second base too. He has second base eligibility yeah. as well, which mm-hmm. I like. Cause I yeah. hate second. I'm just not base. taking yeah, him it, over Sano or Donaldson or Moustakis. It's a premium. Well, you don't have to take him over those guys. You got to take him over. Sano. No, yeah. Sano is the only, only no, well, wait, is Sano in this group? No, he, Edmund's last of this group. And by the way, just by three back picks, on that. So. On that since one fifteen, uh, with, with for the Donaldson update, and Edmonds going down, he he's already dropped ten picks from there. We'll see if it continues. Um, you know, a Castellanos signing 
uh, or of course an Arenado trade would push him down further. And then maybe he's in the buying range for you at that point. But I, I hear you. You know, you are paying a premium. Um, but you know, we talk all this about speed, 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 and and all that. You know, I'd rather pay this premium than over overdo it with the guys in the early rounds that aren't giving me other stuff. And you know, I you know, this is right on the border of of early to mid round, wherever you know you start to get closer to the tenth round. But it's I, a very I um, oh god, uh, Kevin Newman esque <laughs> yeah kind of guy. But I think with a little bit more upside uh, in terms of because I don't think that we're talking about Newman as a guy who's going to steal twenty five bases, but Newman's going to be leading off. Uh, should should or should yeah, be leading. Yeah, sure. should Apparently, be leading off. Could be Reynolds. Yeah, but to your point, Newman, fifty picks cheaper. So I'd also feel I, more I, comfortable I, I feel if he that. if he showed a little bit more patience to the plate and, uh, yeah, the four point six percent walk rate is a bit scary. Uh, I mean, it, it's not Mondesi like because he's obviously sure. going to hit for for a lot. He makes a lot of contact. Another one of these guys. Uh, 32% O swing, but, you know, 72% O contact. Yeah, not so. afraid to go out of, out of the zone and mm-hmm. get it because Edmund can make yeah. the con- can make the uh, the contact there. I have him I had him 17th in my ranking. I was kind of a, uh, a flag plant type of ranking when I did this back in October. As the dust has settled with, uh, you know, he was behind Escobar, Moustakas, and Sano, he's going to fall behind them. I would not take Tommy Edmund over those three. And I get it. This is full price for him. And frankly, the guy that we're going to talk about first on Monday uh, in the rest of third base, I, I think I like just as much. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think see, it's I a like little, that, little high for Edmund. That whole next tier I like. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's uh, a fun tier. That's a, fun like, tier that's, sure. a, that's a really nice tier. So Let's continue with this one, though. So, um, Moustakis has... Yes, and again, another guy with a lot of a lot of dual eligibility, triple eligibility here at third base. He has that second base as well, and I feel like if you're slotting Moose at second base, you're getting such a leg up because it's not a great position. And I just love what he's what he can do. He's now going in, into Cincinnati, which is another quality park. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's going to boost him because he's leaving Miller Park, which is also good. But uh, he's certainly not being hurt by moving to Great American Ballpark. I think that lineup is is worthy. Uh, I think it's a neutral move overall. I just like what he's been doing in, in recent years that I'm just not off of Moustakis at all. And I think we could get pretty much a, a repeat of what he did last year, which was 254, 35 homers, 87 ribbies, 80 runs, and uh, a few chip and steals, which who cares. But, uh, yeah, I really like Moose, and he should be batting – third or fourth be- between him and Suarez. And if Votto can get on, you know, as long as Votto's still getting on base, we'll, we'll talk about him at first base with regards to what we think about his power. But if he and Akiyama are getting on base, there's going to be RBIs for days for Suarez and Moose. And I think Moose, I will say this, I think Moose sets a new career high in ribbies. He had 95 back in 2018. I think he pushes 100 this year. Yeah, I think he's Suarez light. I mean, it's almost like the same type of uh, profile in terms of stat cast data where like the exit velocity and hard hit percentage aren't off the charts, but he just barrels everything and moving, uh, moving to a park. Not, not that Miller park was a bad place to hit, yeah. uh, but getting, you know, at least he didn't go to a poor hitters park. If he had gone to, 
uh, you know, a place like Oakland or something like that, I would have been like, ooh, okay, he's going to drop quite a bit on my list, but getting to go to Great America Ballpark, a division he now knows, uh, and getting to, you know, hitting that, that ballpark and hitting some of the other good ballparks in the division. So I, 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 I like Moose a lot. I have him right below Donaldson in my ranks, uh, at 14, uh, like you said, going to be in a, you know, that, that lineup that I really like. So, uh, yeah, going to have a lot of shares of Moustakis. He's probably my, like, you know, outside of, uh, uh, Muncie being my favorite buy at third base, uh, Mustak is probably number two. Yeah, Mustakos is is a beast. Really like him. Let's talk about Eduardo Escobar because uh, we do. I mean, he had a hell of a season last year, and definitely somebody who gets pointed to when you talk about the uh, the bouncy ball of 2019. Not that he's been devoid of power, 21 and 23 uh, home runs the two previous years, but then 35-118 last year with uh, 269, nice batting average there, and 94 runs scored, chip and steals again, not really of concern right now because it could be one stolen base or the five that he got last year, it doesn't really matter. So he goes from 23 to 35. And again, volume went up in terms of playing time, but not enough to account for this. Eduardo Escobar is going to be 31 in in 2020. Where do we go from here after such a big spike season? And, you know, I don't think the market's overcharging at 113. Also has second base eligibility, I'll point out. So I think the market's also a little like, ah, what do we do here? He's up from 175 last year, which I think is a reasonable jump. For what he did, right? You know, you got to count the most recent year heaviest. I think he's kind of boring. And, and even if he falls back, he'll be perfectly capable. But I don't feel like I'm targeting Eduardo Escobar anymore. What do you expect out of him in 2020? I think he's a prime candidate for aggression. Uh, exit velocity, hard hit percentage, uh, both in the blue. I mean, 17% hard hit percentage over on his stat cast data. Uh, a guy that, again, one of these guys at third base who's got a 40-plus percent O-swing, but he doesn't have the contact percentage of the other guys we've mentioned. Uh, O-contact, 68%. Uh, I think he <laughs> he's super, super aggressive, and I think uh, he doesn't necessarily... I think he really benefited from the bouncy ball last year, and I think... The previous seasons in 2017 and 2018 are much more indicative of who we will be this year. So we're talking about a guy who's going to hit like 260 with like mid to low 20. 20s home run. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think his 2018 numbers are like spot on and I don't want to pay the premium on that. No, not with the with the depth of position. You've hinted already that the next year we'll talk about on Monday you love. So why would you buy Escobar here when, when they cost what they cost? So I think it's just one of those things where it's like, I get why Escobar had to go up after what he did last year. Thanks thanks for what you did if you were, you know, if you if I if I had, had him last year, which I, I didn't. Um but I'll, I'll catch up with you next year when your price comes back down after you put up a solid average season. But uh, Eduardo Escobar will not be on any of my teams this year at pick 113. All right, let's move on. Yuli Gurriel, 
another uh, bouncy ball candidate for sure. This guy was total, you know, locked in late round batting average. And that was what built the intrigue. So if you picked him, you definitely got lucky with the 31 homers, but you were probably targeting him. So you can you can back pad a little bit, even if you didn't see the power coming. But those that had him were, were drafting him with purpose because he was kind of a locked in 290 who came pretty late in drafts. And that's always fun. I mean, 194 ADP last year uh, to get that supplemental batting average. And he rewards you with a 298 average and 31 homers with 104 ribbies and 85 runs. Frankly, he probably should have been going that late when he hit 291, 13, 85, 70 the year before in 136 games. Like, but it's his age because he was going into his age 35 season. So instead, he puts up a career year. Where do we go from here? Is this the same thing as Escobar where it's like, thanks for what you did, but Exactly. I'm too afraid to pay. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it's one hundred percent that. Uh, he his uh his barrel percentage last year is three point one percent. What? Which uh or or sorry sorry uh um his barrels per plate appearance uh okay. is three point one. So yeah, sorry, three point eight percent. So uh yeah, which was like three hundred and fortieth in major league baseball last year it's not it's not great and no. the year before i think it was even was, way was worse too. it was, he yeah. was in, in, in 2018 he was in the bottom five percent in terms of barrel percentage Jeez. so uh i mean this yeah. this is an average guy and like i mean yeah his ex batting average 84th percentile is 284 i think he can again be a source of batting average but now you're having to pay for the power spike and Mm -hmm. i fully expect that to come back down to earth maybe not back down to 13 like we saw in 2018 yeah let's put a number on it let's say low 20s yeah because here's the thing too with the uh with the 13 that was in 573 plate appearances if you're giving him 620 I guess that would have really only pushed him up to like 14, 15. So you're still you're saying he's going to have some power gain over what he was before this Yuli Gurriel is, but not keeping the 31 at all. You said you're going to have him low 20s. So you agree with Steamer? Uh, I'm probably under that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go 18, 19. I think that's fair, especially because he's still getting the batting be, average. He's gonna get time off too. Uh, and there's no DH for him to slide to when they want to put someone else in at first. Especially if, if we hear anything about Kyle Tucker playing first base. Uh, oh yeah, like that's like oh, you know they they seem to want to keep putting Josh Reddick out there, and maybe instead of Kyle Tucker taking over for Josh Reddick, maybe he starts sliding in for Guriel. And and it's hard to really push Guriel's. Uh, Plate appearance is up to like 650 because he hasn't gotten there yet with this team. And it, they probably understand that mid-30s guy keeping him in the, you know, 570 to 600 range is the right thing to do. So, yeah, I, th- I think the the bow on this is it's exactly like Escobar. Great season last year. You were awesome. You were a league winner for some folks. I just can't pay the premium. Uh, he'll be he'll be he'll be fine. He he will not kill you if you pick him here. But there's just so many better guys I think that you can get cheaper. 
than than Yuli Gurriel, including the next guy who you've converted me on to where now I, I used to kind of just shun him instantly. Still not fully bought in like I'm getting him everywhere, but I like Miguel Sano and uh, he certainly interests me a lot more than he ever did. He's going 19th at the position, 125 overall. Miguel Sano got a, uh, a, a deal this year, too. Now, the crazy thing, and we talked about this uh, during the Donaldson signing, right now, Roster Resource has him penciled in at eight. I, I don't know about that. I think he should at least be seven over uh, Luis Arias, even though it'd be righty-righty, and, and the way it would stand right now is left-right, left-right. It's going to go left, right, right, left. I think that you put Sano seven and, and just take kind of the, the imbalance there of, of righties, lefties. But I can't really get him too much higher unless Garver flops, then maybe six. But that's really about the peak with this lineup. That's okay, though, because this lineup is deep. It's disgusting. This dude hit 34 homers in 439 plate appearances last year. I'll step back and give you the floor on Sano. He's your guy. Age 27. What can he do? What are you expecting? I mean, he can lead baseball in home runs. That's what he can do. Uh, will he do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you go look at the projections. Uh, ATC has him for 35 home runs in 128 games. Death Charge has him for 38 home runs in, in 142 games. Uh, Steamer has him for 37 home runs in 138 games. So none of them are expecting him to stay healthy the whole year, but they're all expecting 35-plus home runs. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, we talked about him when the, I think with the Donaldson signing, uh, you know, and him moving over to first, having to bat lower in the order. Uh, but we also talked about the fact that I feel like a lot of the injuries that he sustained, uh, have been either weight related or fluky. Uh, he's addressed the weight issue came in last year and was in really, really great shape. Assume he will do the same this year. One of those guys that's batting average can definitely fluctuate. So you pencil him in for like a 240 batting average, but I also think, I think he's going to hit 40 home runs this year. And the question is, how many more than 40 will he hit? Yeah, and really, you know, because if you can get that volume up, we've yet to see a 500-point appearance season out of Miguel Sano. It, it's crazy to think what he could possibly do because of that transcendent power. And like I said, you know, I used to kind of just, I don't want to take the 199 average and, get stuck with that from 2018 but that's that's the anomaly right now he's a career 245 you can live with that with this kind of power i mean we prop up chris davis like crazy for his 247 because of all the you know the bad the home runs that he can do a 247 does not kill you and he's not even dh only the way someone like chris davis is and he's cheaper than what chris davis has been going in most years obviously until this year uh, after the uh, meltdown of just, 2019 just for pair davis him with tommy edmund there you go. Get the average go. from Edmund uh, in the in the in the stolen bases and Orla Mayhew, Orla which Mayhew. I really like. Mm-hmm. That's something I would I would really 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 be interested in doing. Especially because so, he's going to so have no, first base eligibility and third base third base eligibility. Uh, Lemayhew is first, second, and third gives you a lot of flexibility on your team. Yeah, it's a really nice pairing. Yep, and I, I think I'm going to be interested to do that. And Sano is definitely somebody who is fully on my radar and. Uh, Meaning, I, I feel like I'm I'm probably going to wind up with at least uh, a, a prominent share somewhere. Meaning, in in one of my bigger leagues, that uh, I, I want to make sure that I 
get in on this because he could hit 50 and nobody, nobody would be surprised. All right. That's going to wrap up part one of third base. We still have plenty of guys to cover. We have three sections. They're all pretty deep. So it's probably going to be at least another hour of third base. Hopefully you guys are dialed in for that on Monday. Uh, And then we'll continue around the diamond. I think our next one after that will be outfield, which also may require two parts. uh, Yeah, that one will definitely require two parts unless we're just going to go long. Unless we just do four hours. But uh, anyway, Justin, I know you are. And frankly, I could too. Maybe we do that and then we see if we want to break it up or or put it all together. We'll we'll, we'll see. It'll be a week from, uh, I said Thursday, I meant Wednesday. It'll be a week from today that we'll be doing that. Next Monday, we'll get the next piece of third base. Justin, what do you got coming up with your rankings? What's Which one's next? Outfield. Outfield oh, after this. So perfect. I'm going to try. I'm in the process of moving. So I get the keys either tomorrow or Friday. Uh, I'm only going to be without internet for a day, but I don't know how much time I'm going to have to actually finish up my ranks. They may come out Monday. Uh, for that, uh, and then finishing up the Friends Fancy Benefits Draft Guide, which is already 450 pages, uh, and I haven't even put in the projection, or no, I haven't put in the auction values yet, so, and I think I'm still missing some prospect pieces from, from Matt Thompson of Prospect Live, so that'll be available for sale next week, I believe, as well. All right. Good to hear. Um, All right. So we look forward to more rankings coming out. And I will talk to you next week. Take it easy.